You are listening to the Life After Infidelity podcast, a podcast designed to help women who have been cheated on heal from anger, shame, sadness, and confusion so they can heal, reclaim their power, and live the life of their dreams. You will leave each episode with a heart of comfort, knowing you are not alone in your struggle and empowered to make informed decisions about your relationships moving forward. Because whether you choose to leave or stay after infidelity, both decisions will be hard, and I'm here to help you navigate your heart. All righty. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of Life After Infidelity, a podcast that's created to remove the shame and the fear of, um, well, I'm sorry, just to remove the shame of your decision to stay or leave after infidelity. And so, as you guys know, um, one of my favorite parts is getting the opportunity to uh interview amazing people and um i have a second timer guest back to the show <laughs> uh dr lee is with us again today and um you know what i'm gonna just go ahead and tell y'all like this topic here is gonna be good but i told him we were gonna talk about once a cheater always a cheater <laughs> so dr lee before we even get started um just introduce yourself let the people know who you are no problem. Thank you for having me, Bria. And I will say I love our conversation. So if you're not familiar with any of ours, I, I enjoy them and look to see where they go. So I'm Daniel Lee. I'm a, a licensed psychologist. Um, I'm also a certified life coach. Um, and one of the things that uh, we do is, and particularly in that sort of life coaching perspective, is we have a um, a life-minded collective called Built for a Collective. And you can find us on Instagram with that and also um, on our webpage. So it really is about how to support people, you know, just being their best selves and living a purposeful life. All righty. Well, I'm not even going hold up because our topic today is once a cheater always a cheater but I first want to ask you this question um a lot of people are dying to know this is something that I get asked all the time by women and it is why do men cheat so I'm going to just make this a personal sort of <laughs> okay so um because I guess infidelity in my family um particularly on my I would say my father's my paternal family uh-huh. was pretty significant and generation oh, wow. Okay. Um, in, a, in a way. And and I remember thinking from my grandfather and I've heard stories about his mistress lived on the same block as my grandmother and, and with the family. And my grandma was, like, was best friends with hers. I, yeah. I, it's so crazy because I didn't find out till my grandfather died that my grandpa had a daughter by my grandma's best friend who I would go mm-hmm. over to my grandma's house with her all the time. So mm-hmm. I get what you say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you see how it, it, it's kind of 
I think in terms of my um, generation, it was my uncles, most of them, um, you know, were having affairs. And and sometimes the mistresses would be invited to family parties. And then like the sister-in-laws would be like, well, who is she keeping with? It's like, it's like it was kind of like, it, it's kind of like, oh, this stuff gets real. And, and I, I remember with my brother, my oldest brother, um, he, he kind of answered that question, why do men cheat? And he said that he felt like that was a way for him to be bonded with my father, you know, in terms of sort of kind of like the the behaviors and feeling like it's sort of the masculinity kind of piece. And, you know, and so I, I tell people it's it's kind of without sort of judging anybody because that's, that's what I grew up with. And I remember thinking I had to make I, I used to see the consequences because, we, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up with the women that had to deal with. Yeah. So, you know, so when the dudes is out, I'm watching the women between angry, sad, crying, like fighting this and that. And you're just like, is all of this worth it? You know, and so so I think some of it is, you know, socialization, expectations. You're talking about, you know, generational stuff. So, you know, my father's family, they're, they're like older. I got uncles in my 90s. So you're talking about men who've been around for decades. And that was sort of kind of the culture mm-hmm. of think of it and then it gets passed down as a norm and then I think what happens is we as men have to make a decision I know I had to make a decision is is that the kind of man I wanted to be Mm. so even though it was normalized it was something that if I did it some level would have been acceptable like I wouldn't have been questioning too much about it Mm -hmm. but then it became like I don't know if that's the kind of character Mm -hmm. that I would have Mm -hmm. so so for me when I answer that question, I think it's multiple reasons. And, and I think it is, and as my work with couples, you know, I look at it as more as people cheat simply if they're not invested in that relationship anymore, or there's some breach or some need not getting met. Mm-hmm. And then I find that is, you know, sex is a byproduct of it, or that relationship is a byproduct of it. Um, and, and then it's kind of like, and I look at any sort of breach as a violation. So you might not physically be with somebody, but sometimes you're you're talking to somebody on the internet. Yeah. You know, it can be an emotional affair. Right. It's, it's, yeah. So it's kind of like it comes a lot of different ways, but it's usually a symptom of something not happening in that relationship. Yeah. And that's good because you know what? I've talked to several men and, and they've all said that about how they they saw it from their grandfather. Their grandfather saw it from their grandfather. So it kind of just became this learned behavior. You know, um, and like you said, it's been normalized because it's just been passed down. But how do you, like you said, you had to make the decision. So how does one even start to, you know, cultivate a new thought process in relation to relationships when it's something that's been taught for so long without in your generation? I, I say one, I had to look at it. I'll talk about socially, spiritually, emotionally, a lot of maybe different levels. So socially, I had to realize that my masculinity wasn't attached to that behavior mm. because that's kind of that's how men were in my family. And I was okay. like, I can't be I can't attach that to to sort of who I am. And I remember struggling with that and thinking like, I don't want to do it, but thinking maybe that's how, that's what I need to do if I'm a man. And then I had my, one of my mother's uncles got out of prison and then I think he got married and all that. So it, I saw stability in a way um, in terms of monogamy, but then 
Years later, he was he's Muslim and he decided to take a second wife. And then he said how that was, he, he told me after all of these years, he said that was probably like his biggest mistake. And he said, <laughs> I looked at the scripture. He said, I read the Quran. It was his one scripture. He said, you can have up to, I don't know, four wives or something. Uh-huh. But he said, but if you only knew. And he said, what I learned was I should have knew not to do that. Because it's too much. It's kind of like if you read the, I guess the scriptures that passage is um, sort of implying is wisdom is going to tell you don't do it because it's just too much. It's like, but you can do it, but understand it's too much. And I, so for me, and it was also in terms of my personal character, I had to start creating some pillars, filters around my life. Number one, um, and this kind of gets into other areas. Uh, you know, one, I didn't want to be that kind of a Christian. You know, I didn't want to be that kind of a man. Um, I didn't want to, you know, disappoint my kids. And then I didn't want to disappoint myself. So I said, if I went through all of those filters and had an affair or did something, that meant that's something I really wanted to do. Like, like it was because those those should be stopping me about. It's just the kind of, actually, it's the kind of person I want to be. Don't want to hurt my spouse. You know, don't want my kids to be hurt. Do I want to hurt myself in terms of being disappointed with the, the person I am in that moment? And, and I said, if I, if anything happened, I blew past all of those, you know, then I would have to really think about it. See, but that's really good. So um, I was at lunch yesterday with a couple of other women, and we were talking about this topic, once a cheater, always a cheater. And the argument was that one lady was saying that it's morals. So morally, if you cheat, then you're going to continue to cheat. And one other person was just, the other person was just like, well, no, you know, sometimes situations and circumstances happen and, you know, they may have just cheated in, in a, in a weakness or something else is going on within them. But, you know, once they decide to actually work on themselves and to work on their relationship, because she even said, I know several people who cheated, but now they're in a great monogamous relationship. And I think that that's, that's really important what you're saying now. So when we talk about once a cheater, always a cheater, you know, hearing what you're saying is like, these people made it a choice, a choice. They made a decision, you know, cause at any point in time from the, from the, from the looks that you gave to the first hello, to the exchange of phone numbers, to the opportunity to meet up, to, you know, getting somewhere in a private space to bam, your clothes. You know what I'm saying? And my mm-hmm. uncle always talks about this at church. He's a pastor. He's like, so wait a minute. You mean, cause he was like, I just slipped up. He said the man exactly. up. and he was like, so he was like the pastor asked me, he was like, so you, 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 you slipped over to have a conversation with her. You slipped on your phone number. You slipped over to a house. Come on, that's a whole lot of slipping, brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. But talk it's about true. that. Like, so if if a person does cheat, is it possible for them to then say, "Okay, I'm not going to cheat again"? Well, I, I think it's yes. I, I would say definitely yeah, because I, I I'm one of those people who believe in the power of choice, and okay. and I think. And you described it. I, what I feel like, it, what 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 some people may struggle if they're in that sort of habitual kind of behavior around sort of infidelity or you know sort of breaching and violating you know relationships is what is something going on with them that they don't have some a filter because you should have something that's going to guide your behavior when you don't have that. And some people can be narcissistic enough not to where they just like I don't care. It's all about me. It, it is what it is. Um, and then hopefully if you see somebody like that, you run, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So I do feel like 
you know, what men, I know we're talking about men, but I would say people in general need to have sort of, sort of buffer around out as I'm making this choice, what does it mean? So like you said, if it's starting up with, I'm, I'm kind of being too intentional about kind of saying hi and seeking out something. I got to stop and be what does this mean? It's like, it's like yeah. because, because that's on me at that yeah. point. We talk about, you know, just professionally, they, you know, when do people have these violations with clients? They say all of a sudden you're scheduling them different. You you might start them, put them at the end of the day. You're staying longer. Before you know it, you're doing all of these like boundary violations. And then next thing you know, you're in a inappropriate relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's the same way you described it and like your uncle described it. You have to monitor those boundary violations because I, you know, the one thing I tell anybody is like this, it's natural to always catch a breath of fresh air. You're going to walk by somebody and go, oh, this person is nice. You're probably going to see somebody that would never go stop that. It's what you do with it that becomes problematic. You, if you're acting on it, pursuing it, then you got to challenge yourself like, hold on. Because at that point, you want to do it. You're not reacting to something. You're always in a position to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Do you have any kids, Dr. Lee? Yes. You have so, daughters? Yes, I, I have one daughter, <laughs> two sons. <laughs> I, I, want, I want to ask you this question. If, if you were talking to your daughter, what would you tell her? You know, she comes to you and she's like, Dad, my partner cheated on me. Should I take him back? What would mm-hmm. you tell her to be some things to look for? to make her decision? Well, I think for me, I think what I, and this is, I, I, we've had, we do have these talks and, and <laughs> these conversations. I always say what happened before? For me, it's more doing like an autopsy. Mm. This, let's go backwards. Okay, that's good. And yeah. then, well, because it's not about me necessarily giving you advice about that. Maybe that's the clinical side of me. Mm-hmm. You know, if the person is abusive, destructive, and I'm like, listen, I wouldn't do it. Um, if it's this sort of ambiguous, like my feelings are hurt, I think I can get over it. This is one time and you struggling. And I, what I want to look for is some of those same things we were talking about in terms of, you know, let's just evaluate and interrogate this commitment. You know, what what's going on? And also in, think about what are you doing too? Because whatever's happening is an interaction. Mm-hmm. So what, what space are y'all creating that there's a need for this behavior to, to occur? And then, okay. and then, and so for me, it's more if I had to tell people to think about it, it's like doing that self reflection, thinking it from a relational perspective in terms of the interaction between you. Because you you might find out that we're really drifting apart. You know, we're not as close as we were. You know, I, or somebody might say, like we talked about, you know, in um, one of the other podcasts, like this was never my person. Yep. And so, <laughs> and, like, and I'm kind of hanging on. So then this could be. It's time for you to say goodbye, mm-hmm. you know, but it took this to say goodbye. So I, then I think it's about looking at that person's character. So you got to evaluate your character and the other person's character and then kind of see what comes out of that and, and be honest with yourself. Do I Am I this committed to this person? Do I love this person? Am I here for convenience? You know, are we just sort of hanging out and this is the consequences of hanging out past our shelf life? And, you know, so I think those are those having those honest sort of conversations are helpful. And then my last point, I would probably tell people to think about, you know, are you okay with being an ocean in a storm in a relationship? And I have to find this real quick. It's a metaphor about with couples. An ocean is the person who can contain 
sort of what that relationship needs in that moment. So if you think about the metaphor of oceans and storms, usually if, you, if you're looking at a storm in the ocean, no matter how powerful that storm is, it really don't overwhelm an ocean. It, it takes it. It's like, so what the storm does, it creates the agitation and the energy. Like we got to do something different. You know, we got to stir the waters. We got to kind of get out of this sense of complacency. And that could be what that infidelity represents. It's like, this is the agitation. Like, if there's a problem here, we got to decide what we're going to do about us. Not necessarily the affair, because that is what it is. But it's usually what's motivated, the origins of it. And so there's that, are you up for doing that work? Because if you're the person who was cheated on, then the ideal is, can you contain it? If you don't have the emotional bandwidth to contain it, then I would be like, you might not want to stay. If you do have the emotional bandwidth to process it and deal with this space, then figure it out. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> when I get excited, I kind of move a lot and smile a lot. <laughs> and then I have to center myself because it's like, I want to throw this book across the room because I'm so excited. <laughs> Because that's, that's, I mean, that's beautiful. Like, literally everything that you said is so beautiful. And I definitely say those things about, like, character and all those type of things. And um, one of a relationship expert, I cannot think of her name, but she did an amazing TEDx talk over um, infidelity. And she even said, too, she was like, you know, sometimes infidelity is the catalyst that creates this closeness in a relationship post infidelity because like you said the uh, the couples they're both ready to to willing to do the work and now they're able to actually have those really deep conversations and then it actually brings them like she even talks about how some of her clients are like our relationship is even better than our honeymoon phase post infidelity mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. she's like she's not pro-infidelity, but she's seen how infidelity has flourished into this great thing. And I, I, the, the word I wrote down when you were talking was choice. And mm -hmm. it's like, we have a choice if we choose to cheat, but then mm -hmm. we also have a choice if we choose to actually have moral character about ourselves and say, you know what, this is wrong. Let me not do this again. Let me actually work with this partner. And I really, I, I I don't know, like that stuck with me because I think that that's that that's a thought to think about, too, of like we have a choice. So, yeah, this person did make this choice this one time to cheat. But then after we look at all of those other questions, after we do the in the internal reflections, then we go back and have those deeper conversations mm -hmm. with our partner. Then we have to see now if they're going to make that choice to say, hey, I want to move forward in this relationship or, hey, I don't want to move forward in this relationship. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's really, really good. But something I want to go back to um, what you talked about earlier is that you said, you know, sometimes men may attach their self, their self-worth to how many women they have. And I mm -hmm. think that's important for us to talk about is because as people in general, when when cheated on, we internalize it. Right. But now we know we, we've seen some of the most beautiful people get cheated on Holly Berry, Beyonce. Mm -hmm. So we have to not internalize the act. And I don't know, like maybe speak to that, like why we shouldn't necessarily internalize the act, because it's always something deeper in that other person that there, there may be this void or something. And, and I think if you. It, it, it's funny, I've been having this conversation with my barber like all week about <laughs> this notion of shame and self-esteem 
that is connected to sort of relational health. You okay. know, and that, that kind of even is in connection to this idea of do you continue a relationship or not? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think men, and, I, I, and I'm going to talk about us, we, we talked about this idea of how, you know, our self-esteem was attached to, you know, our ability to sort of win this woman over. Mm-hmm. You know? So, and I think for men, it is this notion of conquest. We want to win. We want to feel like we you know, accomplish something, achieve. I think that's how we're socialized. And that comes in relationships too. And so what happens is if that's, if your self-esteem is attached to that model, then you're always looking to get that need met, that sense of accomplishment. And if you're in a uh, committed relationship, and, and I'm not going to say this is always the case and maybe that need isn't getting met. And I'm not and I'm not even saying that's a healthy need, too. Um, then for some people, it's like I'm going to go out and sort of create that, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, oh, I can have some conquest over here and, and feel good about myself. And, and I think but what ends up happening, you're chasing like smoke. You try to catch in, the, in your hand. It's, it's mm-hmm. never going to be it's elusive you're never really going to be able to sort of capture it completely and and i think so part of that is is this idea of separating your your identity from that notion of conquest mm-hmm. and particularly because it's you have to you have to be secure enough about yourself and your success is understand it doesn't mean it's at the expense of someone else or you need someone else to sort of fulfill some insecurities that you have you got to acknowledge your insecurities and find a healthy way to resolve Wow. That's, that's amazing. I, um, I don't know, like I was so nervous today. Like typically when I come in to do a recording, I'm like, okay, cool. I got this. But today, like all morning, I've just been like so uneasy. And I was like, why are you so uneasy? I don't know. I, just, I was just nervous for this interview um, today, but I'm so glad that we were able to actually have this interview. And maybe that's what the nerves was is because I just knew that it was going to be such a such a transformative conversation, which it really was. And I know that this topic is for sure going to bless um, people. And so I just want to say thank you again for even taking the time out to have this conversation with us. Thank you again for creating a platform for men um, to have, you know, this space where they can be vulnerable and, you know, and things like that, because I always want to make sure that I I state that my message isn't to, um, you know, pit men against women, but it's to bring us all together, which is why it's so important for me to have these healthy conversations and dialogues with the male counterpart, because I want my women to see that there are good men out out there who do value monogamy, you know, in relationships and who do value true love and growth and communication in relationships. So um, I know I've already asked you and maybe it's changed from 30 minutes ago, (laughs) 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 but I always ask all of my male (laughs) guests, uh, you know, what's most important. And I see you trying to look over there like you don't know. No, I know. I was laughing to myself because I said, I, I, when you told me before, like most men choose respect, I said, I, I can maybe say, I, the reason I choose love uh-huh. is, um, I guess when I think about sort of the basic definition of it, and, okay. and I choose the one from the script, love is patient, it's mm. kind, it's long suffering. It's mm. like, it has that's good. components of it. And when you think about all of that, that's all respect. 
So it's kind of like, so So for me, I was thinking when you said most men choose respect, I, I guess maybe I need to clarify the reason I choose love. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. I, I love you bringing up that scripture because you know what? A lot of men bring up the scripture too about um, husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's too why they choose that. But you got it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dr. Lee, when given the option to choose love or respect, uh, he stood firm for the second time. Even with that scripture that I'm quoting, the one thing about it is we have to love our wives sacrificially. Mm. And and to get the respect, you got to love sacrificially. That is so So, true. So I think that's where people, so for me, that's why I keep thinking if you do your part, you get what you need. Yeah, for sure. That's that's beautiful. Um, well, again, um, let the people know where they can reach you at. Sure. Yes. So on Instagram, we are Built for a Collective. So feel free to like and join our page and continue to get more information like this. And also on the web, it's um, B4C or Built for a Collective. So you can follow us there, too. Thank you. All righty, you guys, this has been another episode of Life After Infidelity or another podcast episode with Life After Infidelity. And I am your host, Brianna Latrice. So don't forget to like, comment, subscribe and follow the podcast. And you can find me on IG at Brianna underscore. I'm sorry, I'm just messing up everything. No, you can find me on IG at Life underscore Infidelity after underscore Infidelity underscore. Uh, You can look me up online at lifeafterinfidelity.net. And um, as always, I look forward to working and connecting with you all. And we'll see you beautiful people in the next episode. Have a great day. Thank you. Hey, beautiful. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the show so you can stay connected with a community of women who can relate to what you're experiencing. And do me a favor. Take a screenshot that you were listening to the show and tag me on Instagram at life underscore after underscore infidelity underscore. I'd love to connect with you, hear your story of infidelity, and show you some love over there. Until next time, I'm your host, Brianna Latrice, reminding you that whether you choose to leave or stay after infidelity, both decisions will be hard, and I'm here to help you navigate your heart. See you next time, beautiful.